Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to Smoke Show. This is Claire. That was a long hit. Uh, I had to take it twice. Whew. Okay, I'm going to try to get a full breath before I just dive on in. I will say, I mentioned this in a substack recently, but, um, you know, just in case uh, not every single thing I've ever written down is the most important thing in your world, I will just take another moment to plug this breath book that I read. Um, now I don't know the name of it, and I have to type on my very loud computer. Um, it's called Breath. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's. I call it the breath book because that's what it is. It's called Breath, the New Science of a Lost Art. It's by James Nestor. I think I actually learned about the book on TikTok like a year ago and I just bought it. Like I bought the digital. I used to be so good at torrenting. I don't want to get off on that, but like I just, I didn't used to pay for media. <laughs> I know that's bad. I know books especially are like support authors. I have a library card. I could use a library app thing, but I've never bothered to download it. Because I am a, I think one of the worst things that I've had to admit to myself is like, I really am a book, like a hard book girl. I'm not really calling myself a girl. I'm now 30. Um, Girly? I'm okay with girly. I don't think that that is like age inappropriate at any age. But girl just feels very infantilizing. Maybe I just spend too much time on the Caroline Holloway sombrata and I'm very self-conscious about certain things that are actually probably perfect normal, like normal behavior. But it was just nitpicked to high heaven. And if you want to hear more about that, there's a whole podcast episode I did where I talked like a mad woman for two fucking hours of my life about this other girl that I had never met. I'm like, hey, I did know a lot about her life. I knew exactly what she had chosen to show me. And that girl used to document every single waking hour. And I will say, like, looking back at all of it, if she was even aware of an eighth of what she was doing, perfect troll. I do think, like, there are some internet personalities now that I'm just like, yep, yeah, whatever it is you're doing, I think you got it figured out. I think whatever Julia Fox is doing, I think she knows exactly what she's doing. That beach towel that she turned into a dress, kind of cute. I just, I don't know. I'm in, I'm I'm very much into like the authenticity thing these days. And I know that nothing can be authentic online because it's all being perceived through another layer. And how you are perceived is something that like people are extremely aware of. And I don't think that social media has done anything except make us hyper aware of it. And I will say the other thing about social media is like, I do think there's something like really genuinely uncool about influencers. <laughs> this is mean. I am mean tonight. Okay. Well, um, I got rid of the head cold. I watched a lot of Fran and now I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. Say all your opinions. Uh, <laughs> but like, I do think like when, when I look at a lot of influencers, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, like it's just, it's not, I don't think it's like a cool instinct to like build your life around a persona that's like not you and like becomes like a marketing tool for other things. But I also understand that it's very cool that they only have to like record one TikTok and make like $58,000. Like, I would love $58,000 for like 20 minutes of work. I understand whenever influencers are like, my job is actually really hard. I'm like, yeah, it is. Creative jobs are extremely difficult. In terms of jobs, needing to have creative juice in order to do your job and to have good ideas and new ideas and things that are on trend. But, you know, you don't always just want to be following the trends. You're a trendsetter. You have to be a trend maker because otherwise, why are people following you? Except the thing about a lot of influencers is like, I really think I cracked a code when I when I came to the conclusion. <laughs> I came to be aware that so many, because I would watch these New York influencers and I would just be like, 
what are you doing? And then um, I realized that they were not selling New York to New Yorkers. They're selling New York to people who don't know what New York is. And I'm not just saying that on TikTok they should show the trash because I think it's weird that everybody's like, um, New York is actually dirty and disgusting and nobody should live there because the thing is, the truth is, most people fucking hate New York. Um, America hates New York. It... <laughs> The world loves New York and people think they like New York, but everybody like it's incredible how many people live here and how little is like really known about like the, the like how we live day to day. But also like it is objectively hilarious that our mayor was just like, yeah, put out your trash two hours later. That'll solve the rat problem as if the rats are not awake all night. Like, do you think rats have a bedtime? This is like when they did COVID curfews and it was like, do you think people can't catch COVID after 10 p.m.? Like, or before 10 p.m.? Like, do you think like the virus is like hiding out in the daylight? Like, it's rare that the, I was about to say like, it's rare that a disease is like more prevalent at night, but I bet like malaria and stuff like that. Cause like during the day, like you're moving. And like, I also think about like Lyme's disease. Cause like if you're, ticks die during the like they're more active at night because like ticks can't like i i know so many fucking weird statistics about ticks because of how how lyme disease was so prevalent in my family um when i was a child but like ticks like can't cross the road during the day they like die within like five seconds on tarmac so there's like shady plants and there's this one plant that's that's like native to connecticut that's like really full of ticks so yeah anyway today um i just wanted to talk about um (laughs) being nice to myself and like yourself and i think i've been talking about this a lot recently with just people um because i think it is part of healing we're gonna talk about healing big healing with a b and an h that are capital <laughs> i do want to go to b and h um and just like buy something and like see it come down the conveyor belt i bought my mouse from them and i had it delivered anyway love b and h they have my favorite commercials when i used to have youtube commercials because now i pay for youtube because again my ad blocker stopped working and i used to be good at the internet i used to be so good at torrenting things i was talking to a friend today about like the um there's like a there's a musician on tour whose song is popular on TikTok, and I guess that's why kids are showing up to his shows, and they only know, like, the TikTok verse, and it's really frustrating for this artist, because, like, he's selling out, but it's not to, like, crowds who, like, actually give a shit about him, and I just think, like, it's very scary how Gen Z interacts with media, and the TikTokification of songs is bad. I do think that you can TikTok any, like, you, you can take a snippet of any cool song, but I do think there are songs that are obviously being made for TikTok. Anyway, this guy... Um, is bummed because people don't actually know his lyrics. And I was like, the thing about like my, like my years in, um, in high school and like college and like discovering media is that it was really funny. Cause I just, I just torrented everything. <laughs> so I would just torrent discographies. Um, so I had every single album they had ever made. And like, like any artist that I looked up, I was just like, oh, I can get access to every single song they've ever done. Um, I used to have Vampire Weekend demos and shit. Oh, my God. OK, so Marilyn and I were smoking the other day and we often find city bike racks to smoke near. Anyway, we were next to this van and we saw a bunch. We saw like three bumper stickers and she just turned to me and was like, I think these are about Vampire Weekend. This van, like was decorated in like vampire week like i didn't know that anybody went that hard for vampire weekend and like i'm saying this is somebody who definitely liked them quite a bit at one point like not just because i torn to them but because um well they <laughs> i'm like what what was the first one i heard and then i realized it was dance my space song it was m79 so uh, i got into them in high school 
And then they were like the first album that was played when I moved into my first New York apartment. And so there was always like kind of something sweet there. And then I got, I bought my friend um, their second album as like a present. And then uh, Vampires of the City, is that their third album? That album um, I listened to for like a week straight during finals week one time. And then I, I have the vinyl, but the vinyl's fucked up. And they both say side A. <laughs> Um, I, th- I think I finally colored it in or something, but I was always like, this is sloppy. This is sloppy. Um, but yeah, this guy had a van decorated in Vampire Weekend, which really just made me realize like, hey, there's something for everybody. And some people really do like getting really into something. And that's that's cool. I can understand how like, you know, obviously the Grateful Dead and Fish have like a whole drug culture that goes along with them. And I don't know that there's a big drug culture that goes along with vampire weekend i mean like absolutely you know get stoned listen to some listen to some vampy weeks but like what uh it's just yeah like <laughs> anyway um being nice to yourself i do think that indulging in things that you like unashamedly is a good way to start being nice to yourself i don't believe in guilty pleasures i haven't for years and i i did that when i realized that a lot of people said guilty pleasure about things that were just unapologetically um made for women or feminine and that was really annoying to me um because and the best response to it is and this is also one of the worst moments in that podcast history um when rachel bloom went on mark Marin, the what the fuck podcast this is absolutely something that everybody remembers and has access to it's so anyway referencing like a story you heard on a podcast is impossible because what are you gonna do scrub through like 40 minutes in order to find it again so many i still remember but you also listen to podcasts on your own a lot like thank god i have friends that listen to the same podcast so that i can like reference them with them because like otherwise I just sit there with so many inside jokes with myself rachel bloom on mark Marin's podcast what he called crazy ex-girlfriend a guilty pleasure show and she you can just tell was like fuck you, man. Like, I'm here and you didn't even watch my show. Like, you didn't give it a chance. And so she made him explain what he meant by that. And it's a really good moment of just, like, holding a boundary. But also it made me realize, and I think Rachel Bloom is somebody who makes me very, like, oh, yeah, no, just like what you like and, like, make it, make whatever you you want to make because somebody is going to like it. Um, And it's it's just it's a creative exercise a lot of times to do things and it matters and if you have stuff out there people can find it and if it's not out there nobody's gonna see it anyway that's a separate thing but I do think that um guilty pleasure is just it's demeaning to like your own like why do you feel guilty like try to eradicate guilt from every area of your life that you possibly can I um you know grew up in Ireland a little bit. So guilt is guilt and shame are kind of what that country is built upon. And I like to imagine my guilt complex as like an apartment complex with different little rooms. And what I'm doing is like slowly just uh, taking down the walls in the apartment and opening up the, the windows and moving in new people. It's time for these these old ghosts to kind of move along and I don't want it to be a guilt complex and I just think guilt is such a halting feeling to have and so like if there's guilt with things that you want to apologize for fucking do it like I do think that apologizing as long as you want to do it for peace for that person send it on over and if you just want to apologize I think there's a lot of power in writing stuff down um Like, just as somebody who has been contacted by people who once bullied me with bad apologies, 
I'm glad they came to those conclusions. I didn't need to hear them. Um, It brought up a lot of stuff for me that I didn't want to touch. So it was kind of like, oh, round two. Anyway, things like guilt. I think I just have a lot of thought around, a lot of feelings around, a lot of complex feelings. I think I spent a lot of time in my life feeling very guilty. I was made to feel guilty for things. Um, I think it's guilt is such a halting emotion and and vibe to have about yourself. And so when you're consuming movies or YouTube or like whatever it is, like just if you're watching it, you're watching it and own that. It doesn't have to be guilty. I watch a ton of stuff for like the critical analysis that I get out of it. Like I do think hate watching YouTube is something that like I have definitely stopped doing, but I used to do a lot of. And like I can understand that because it hate watching is like also like is this person entertaining or what are they trying to do with this? I think there's just so much with YouTube that you can criticize that hate watching isn't really the right word for what I was doing. I think it was more like bitch criticizing, (laughs) like things that I could just bitch and moan about or just like not understand. Um, But a lot of times with YouTube, it's really just the fact that you're seeing into like a totally different world. Like it's a window that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And so... I think they're, yeah, I think it's it's good to be critical of what media you're consuming. And I think I stopped consuming things on YouTube that are actively bad just so that I could have seen the thing um, and, like, know what people are talking about. I think I'm trying to now resist the urge of, like, knowing what people are talking about all the time. I'm, like, thinking about deleting. I just feel like Twitter recently has just made me, like, really um, sad and, like, kind of lose faith in humanity a little bit with the way people are talking to each other on there. And I do want to get into that. Um... But it just, yeah, so I'm thinking about deleting it. I just, I think with social media, it's just so hard because with Twitter, I do get so much of my news and my, like, and, you know, I do think knowing what's going on in the world is important to me beyond, like, I I know that there are people who are just like, hey, I stopped reading the news and, like, you can stop too. It doesn't actually matter, like, day-to-day life. This is what it is. Like, read up on candidates, vote for them, make your own decisions, form your own opinions. And I do think it's really important to form your own opinions and all of that, but I like knowing what's going on. Um, local news, pretty easy to get good local stuff, especially like the public radio in New York is quite good. Um, but it's the New York Times just keeps publishing shit that I'm like, I don't want to support this. Like, I don't want to read this article. This is not helpful. Give me news. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, changes in mindset and like creating a kind inner voice has been like a really big focus of mine this year. I try to not get down on myself or refer to myself as like an idiot or think of myself as foolish. Um, Those were two big ones that were definitely defense mechanisms. And I just wanted to get away from them as much as possible. I think it's um, it's really harmful to just have negative self-talk it, it really is and I think self-deprecation is I I definitely approached self-deprecation with like well it's not actually that big of a deal like I know what I'm saying is not true I'm saying it as a joke but like I just keep feeling like we really don't have the capacity as humans to say things in a fully fully joking manner like it's not you can't say things fully ironically because the problem is the words are still coming out of your mouth you're still energetically putting that out there. And I do think that energetically, um, I have been trying to be a much like calmer, more thoughtful person who is 
more aware of my surroundings rather than myself. I think like if there was such a thing as Overthinkers Anonymous, I think I would have been in it. (laughs) Would have been a great little candidate for it. And I just think that (laughs) there I go again. Um, (laughs) I know that a lot of my recovery this year just I feel like I keep using this year as like a marker but it just last October was a big monumental like kickoff I think into healing and getting on the road of like okay nope time to know yourself time to know what you want figure it the fuck out let's get (laughs) let's get going you are now 30 um but I was like I'm 29 I'm not who I was with the in my early 20s I don't feel like I had like updated my my perception of myself in a while and I also think that like it really matters who you hang out with and if you're hanging out with people who are mean to you or embarrassed of you or any of those it just it it wears on your soul and so I was like okay let's like surround ourselves only with people who are nice to us and like us and I was really lucky in that I didn't have to figure out how to like get my employer to be nice to me (laughs) I do think that if I had had, like, a typical job and, like, a boss that I didn't know, I would have had a harder time not stressing out about things. Um, So, like, I do feel very – I just want to acknowledge that I feel very lucky um, that I was able to, like, surround myself with genuine people who, like, would tell me their real feelings and who I could be very honest with. But I I know that that, like – is such a lucky thing. Um, And I do think just, I'm just, I think I'm like, wow, that would have been a lot harder. I think if I had had to like navigate um, a new relationship and like a new job and not like a new relationship to new coworkers and stuff like that, like that would have been really fucking hard. And I think a big reason that I was able to like accelerate all of this so much is because I had so much space to do it because I wasn't stressing about things that had always previously stressed me out. So that was helpful. But creating an inner voice that was like nice became reflexive. I really tried a lot to just get used to, um, how did I start doing it? I feel like I tried to cut out self-deprecating talk. I tried to cut out negative self-talk. I like learned how to talk to myself in a nice, nicer way that was hard. I am not, um, I'm not good with cheesy things. I get like secondhand embarrassed for myself so fucking easily. So it was really difficult for me at first to, um, not cringe at myself. And I think I, I think I eventually did a pretty good job, like, um, with that, but it was, that was definitely one of the bigger tasks. Um, (laughs) But I think I just stopped with the negative. And then one of the most transformative things I did at the beginning of this whole journey, and I'm going to do it again soon. Um, so Meg Stalter is one of my favorite comedians. She's kind of impossible to describe. Uh, but I like because I feel like you have to watch like 10 of her things. And if I tell you any of her jokes, they don't make sense out of context. Um, but I, what she... Last year at the New York Comedy Fest, she did like a two and a half hour set. And it was some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Anyway, I love her. And one day on Instagram, she was like, write yourself a love letter. And I was daunted by that task. But I was also curious if I could fill an entire page because I didn't think I could. And 
um, that kind of made me sad. So I wanted to prove myself wrong. <laughs> so I did it. And it was at first really deeply embarrassing because I was like, this is weird. Um, this is a bunch of like self-flattery. But um, I have to live with myself every single day. If I don't love myself, that's the biggest tragedy of all. Like, oh no, you have to spend your whole life with you. Um, I think it's really, you know, like I just, that, that was my, that was me talking to me. Like I have to spend my whole life with myself. So isn't it better if we like who we are and are like indulging in the things that I actually like and being unabashed about my passions and figuring out what the fuck I want to actually be doing with my time. And it's like, I, in the last few weeks, I have been very like, assessing of my relationship to video games because right now every time I finish playing a video game for a few hours I am just like oh I spent those hours fake accomplishing fake tasks or I could spend time in the real world real accomplishing real tasks that I'll have something to show for at the end of it I understand video I'm not trying to bag on video games they're a great way to wind down great way to relax but I just think that that was um, a moment for me where I was like oh oh no, I think I have spent far too much time completing daily challenges instead of like my own challenges. I was also sick, so it was a real big struggle for me to not be able to like clean my apartment. But when you're sick and you're just like weak, it's so annoying to not be able to do the thing. Oh, oh. my sink had a dish in it for like just oh my god I like I would get over there and I would just be like I'm out of energy (laughs) it was rough but anyway we're good we're back Uh, we're mostly healed I'm still drinking tea but it's hard to do it's hard to heal it's hard to change your tone it's hard to like catch yourself being mean or like down on yourself and I think it's like you really do have to be like consciously practicing or I, I keep saying you I, I am somebody who really had to consciously practice at it. I was not natural at being nice to myself. It was hard. It was cheesy. Um, I felt very loserish doing it, which um, was an interesting thing to realize that a lot of my life I had dictated by what I thought others thought was cool. And then I realized that that's useless because what others think is cool. Honestly, um, I often think is very deeply uncool and I don't care about it. So cool is such like a weird middle school ranking of how to move through life. But I realized that I said there's something deeply uncool about Instagram earlier. But I do mean that just like I I think the people who are making really interesting shit aren't always on social media. Like just like, you know given out the little ideas. I think there are people, I think social media when it was just for like connecting with our friends was like, honestly, fine. It was pretty fine. Like, yeah, there was definitely competition between people or whatever, but like Facebook photo albums were just kind of like, Hey, here was all of the photo. We weren't picking and choosing. We were putting them all up. Like, yes, people were getting into like posing and making fit. And like, yeah, that's all where it came from. We were holding little digital cameras and then I would like upload the photos and tag everybody. And like, yeah, there, that was done. But like, it was all of us. Like, we weren't going places to take photos. We were just taking photos of what we were doing. And I think that that's very, very teenagery. I, you know, I do feel like social media aged with me. Um, but when it was just friends connecting with friends, when Twitter was just supposed to be like another way to group text, 
think it was like kind of fine. I think it's just when people became advertising uh, vehicles, their self became an advertising vehicle. It's bad. It's bad. I think it's bad. Um, I think we should stop having influencers and people... I get that it's like really interesting that there is this kind of gig economy, but it's gig economy marketing. And I just think it's it's really it's got to be bad for your heart and soul and brain. Um, But also it's the bubble's going to burst. I think it's great that people are making really cool art. But like, I just think that there's so much talent that's not ever going to be like recognized or captured because they're spending all this time making like TikTok. I don't know. I just, after getting off TikTok, I'm like, the problem with TikTok is like, it just wants you to keep scrolling. Like, I don't, I I, I don't think any of them are going to have as much lasting power as like a Vine did because, well, one, everything got too big. So TikTok has so many users that nobody's for you page looks the same, which and algorithms feed you stuff. Whereas like, I think it used to be a lot more like us directed. Anyway, I do think getting off Instagram was a great step for my mental health. And I do think not reading snark blogs was also good. Um, I think that reading other people critiquing other people and people like picking influencers apart really just made me hyper aware of uh, my own annoying habits and things like that and wondering if other people found them. You know, it's just like, I think social media is bad because it exposes us to people's like most base, worst ways of talking about people. And then you kind of have it in your head of like, see, these people are thinking this about me. These people do think this way. I think we have to be really generous with our assumptions with people and also understand that like in human to human interactions, things are just so different than how they are online. But like to date this podcast to a specific, there was a tweet this weekend that a woman sent out that was just like, I love spending mornings with my husband. We drink coffee in our garden and chat for hours. It's my favorite part of the day. And people treated this as if this woman had said, hey, pores, too bad none of you can afford a garden or to work from home or with someone with flexible jobs. Nana nana boo boo. You'll never have what I have. We'll be in love forever. Divorce is not real. And that's not what she said. All she said was, I enjoy drinking coffee in my garden with my husband in the morning. And he is a pro skateboarder slash yoga teacher, which I just was delighted by because of course he is. Uh, But you know, good for them. Good for them. But people on Twitter were truly like, not everybody has the privilege to not work. And And it's like, oh my God, you guys. Yeah. Some people I don't think that comparing people's lives has ever gotten us anywhere. We just, we, we should build coalition. We should uplift each other. But I just don't think that like someone on Twitter who's not even saying that's nice. Like one replying to it is wild. Just like tweet your own thing. But like, I think Twitter is just so many people screaming in pain. And I do think that when we're not, when people, when we, when I was not healed, um, it was really hard for me to be generous with not only my, like, other people, but, like, my perception of other people. And I was talking with a friend recently just about, like, the types of friendships that I, I feel like I've experienced. I've been on this side of, which I'm I'm not proud of, but I just think it's bad to be like, yeah, I have this theory that definitely didn't come from something like I am guilty of doing. But I think like there, there are people, there's a thing, there's a tendency with like within friendships and stuff like that when you're just so unsure of yourself to like kind of keep score. And I think I used to really struggle with the idea that like people could be just 
chemistry wise like better friends like I used to be really jealous of my other friends friendships because I was just like no you should like me the most you know like and it didn't feel like it was a safe friendship unless I was the most special and so I feel like it was really hard for me to separate like am I doing this because I just want to do this or am I doing this because I think that if I don't drive people around or like get food or do this thing that like I won't have friends and I think that that was definitely like an amalgamation of many things I had some like weird shit happen to me with friends a lot and I think it just made me really distrustful but it also made me very like I felt like it was something I was doing that was wrong. And so I I was very, like, hypervigilant. But, like, nobody wants to hang out with somebody who's, like, constantly um, keeping track of what they do so that they can, like, hang. Like, I really never tried to, like, hang it over people's heads or anything. But I, you know, when things are coming from a disingenuous place, it just, it doesn't feel great. It feels kind of icky for everyone involved, I think, even if people are just benefiting from that kind of behavior. But... I was describing it as like, you know, when you have a friend that talks to someone like once a month, but they talk for like three hours and they have the best chemistry and they hang up. They're like, oh, my God, that person's the best. And I think there there are people who are like, but I do more for you. I'm this kind of friend. Why don't you like like, you know, like if and I don't want that to make it sound like every single nice action I've ever done is suspicious and everybody should be suspicious because that's not the case. Um, obviously if that was, that would be bananas. But I just think that looking back at like how I've treated certain people or like what I've expected or wanted or like thought would secure friendships for longer has been coming from a place of like desperation and an unhealedness around like what I have to offer in relationships and like why people would want to hang out with me besides stuff or the things I would do for them. Like, I don't think that any people that I've had in my life for like a very long time or people who have grand expectations of me that if I fell short of would fundamentally change our relationship. Like, I don't think there's any like, well, you know, you always pick me up at the airport. Like there's because I think that like if you see people as people and not as like tally points that you're keeping track of, like. I always loved the way that people explained, like, what men think the friend zone was. It's like, you don't put nice points in to get sex out. Like, it's not like a coin machine. I think that's, like, how a lot of relationships get treated. And and I think that that gets reflected in how people talk about, like, emotion. First of all, I think that people misuse a lot of language these days. The flattening and simultaneous heightening of language is very bad because now everything takes place in the hyperbole. But um, or in a hyperbolic tone and way of speaking. And so everything is the best. Everything is to die, like literally to die for like R.I.P. me, dad, blah. Um, Every Taylor Swift album has to be the best Taylor Swift album that's ever. Oh, my God. Why does everything have to be ranked? I understand. I get it. It's fun. I love making lists. I love making tears. It's fine. It's great. But like, oh, my God, sit with an album for longer than one listen before getting on YouTube and recording. Like, this is what I think of this song. Like, you've just heard the song one time and you're telling me your non-expert opinion about it. Shh. Just feel like everybody needs to shh. 
Or like when Bo Burnham in Inside is just like, can anybody shut the fuck up about anything for just one minute? It's like, no, we, it's they've made it impossible because the algorithm demands to be fed so that all of these fucking like clickbait SEO things can be like 10 Easter eggs you might have missed. And it's like, are they Easter eggs if you're fucking listing them for me? And I get it. I'm guilty. I am the person on the couch looking up IMDb and being like, oh, this person was a background character in Friends. Um, one time, Meryl spotted John Hamm in a Sex and the City episode. In He's literally on screen for less than a second. It was the most impressive thing I've ever seen in my life. Anyway, just in terms of knowing background characters, uh, because of Friends and the West Wing, almost anybody that you see in any show can be connected to Friends and the West Wing. So just something to keep in mind. Um, but the flattening and heightening of language and uh, what I mean by that is like everything is now the best or the worst. But like when people... I, I always feel like comment culture is this of like, you can't just say like, oh, that person looks nice. Like, cause that's not a comment. Why would you make that comment? That feels so lackluster. It's like how people think periods in texts are negative And it's just like, oh no, that just indicates like a stop. Um, it just not everything has to be like, bah! like it's, um, it's kind of like uh, exclamation point inflation, like ha ha inflation. Like, oh, I said, ha 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 ha. So they'll know if I just say ha ha this time that I didn't really think it was that funny. And that comes from um, Overthinkers Anonymous over here. Um, just let it go. Nobody is actually counting how many ha-ha-has except for maybe you. Like, that is some weird shit. But I do think that periods and, like, the flattening, heightening of language that I'm talking about is, like, why would you leave a comment that's just, like, you look good in that dress? That's a weird comment. Like, not a weird comment to leave, but, like, no. Instead, you'd be like, oh, my God, flawless, perfect. Like... But comments are one of those things that like you're rarely I just I always feel like comments are so inauthentic because it's just you shouting a thing out loud. It's not really like engaged in conversation, like replying to tweets is a little bit more engaging in conversationally, I guess. But like Instagram comments to me are just for people to write like, oh, my God, flawless. <laughs> like You look you look fantastic. It was a perfect day. There is nothing better. This crew is the craziest group of people. It's like it's just you know what I mean? Like it's. Ugh. Um, <laughs> but when everything is heightened, everything is flattened. And um, I also think that flattening of language refers to me when I say it also in like the way that therapy terms have been used. And so people say like, oh, they're trauma dumping. And it's like, are they trauma dumping? Or are they just like telling you about something that happened one time? I think that the word harm is pretty fucking useless at this point. Like, what do you mean? What harm? We have to be able to speak specifically about things. Otherwise, they become these nebulous whatevers. Problematic. I truly need to just sit down and figure out all of the ways that Tumblr from 2010 to 2014 like ruined the rest of the world. I do think a lot of it had to do with the supernatural fandom. I can't get into Omegaverse, but I just... Ah, there is so much happening over there that is just, oh, it's so, it's growing and it's becoming more normalized. And I don't know what it says about culture, but I just need a lot of people right now to know that one of the largest erotica subgenres is this thing called Omegaverse. And I don't want to get into what it is, but it has to do with like alphabet Omega, like wolf types. But they're not, they're not all wolves all the time. Sometimes there are wolves, though. Who knows? Um, but, um, I don't know enough about, I'm going to leave a YouTube video about a lawsuit that happened that kind of goes into more of it, but it just, that's like one of the largest genres of erotica right now. Like, no, no, um, it started with like supernatural fan fiction and that, um, that 
fandom drove Tumblr for a long time. And so, like, things just, like, are getting out into the ether now that I'm like, ah. Like, it's wild to me that people get on TikTok with their full fucking face and just talk about fanfic tropes that they like and, like, recommend stuff. Like, I'm not saying, like, it should be kept in the dark, but there's just, like, so much of it that was fandom and now there's a bunch of people being like Taylor you know like Taylor Swift is gay and then she didn't come out because of course she's she's not gonna come out she's not gonna come out with an album not so oh my god if this woman ever does come out it's not gonna be the way these conspiracy theorists on TikTok think and it used to be fun for her to like leave clues for her fans or reference things and like people had fun taking stuff apart and now it's so much that she literally in her anti-hero video which I'll say something else about the anti-hero video in a second. Um, she literally sits up in the middle of it. And it's like, there's no, like, she says in the will thing, which Mike Perpiglia, John Early, what good casting. Um, there's no secret code. Stop looking for a secret code. And I think that that is her being like, oh my God, like you guys have made something like not fun. And I think fandom, her fandom especially, is so big now. Um, and, you know, <laughs> With um, a lot of visual power comes visual responsibility. And Taylor, uh, just uh, if she's going to direct her music videos, I just think that somebody, somebody on the team, somebody somewhere should have flagged, hey, Tay, maybe it's not a great idea for you to stand on a scale and then for the scale to read fat. <laughs> it's Here's the thing. Um, I am fat. Fat is not a feeling. Fat is a lived experience. However... Fat is a word that encapsulates so many fucking things. I didn't think of fat as a neutral descriptor until like five years ago. And so I don't think it's like okay for me to say like fat is a neutral descriptor and everybody should be okay with it because there are plenty of fat people who are not okay with being called fat. But diet culture, anybody is allowed to speak on diet culture because we are all victims of diet culture. And I think that fat phobia is such a big part of it that actually if we dismantle diet culture, we can help people break through a lot of fundamental fat phobia that they have developed because of the society we live in. Taylor Swift standing on a scale is just not great imagery, period. It feels very 90s. It feels very skinny. Like, um, let's just all be grateful for a single fucking second that we did not get skinny Taylor looking in a mirror and see Taylor in a fat suit staring back because we could have had that. (laughs) So, but, you know, I think it is worth saying, hey, this imagery is unhelpful. This is diet culture in a nutshell. But I don't think it's ever helpful to say, you don't get to speak on that because you have thin privilege because what the fuck does that mean and also i think it's actually very important for taylor swift who everybody this week has been like conventionally attractive taylor swift sure fine she is a tall thin blonde woman i think it's actually very important when the tall thin blonde women say hey i'm suffering because um what broke my brain in a good way about diet culture was when I watched a bunch of YouTube videos for, um, I was about to say for my old podcast, but like we did the podcast on this because we watched the videos. Um, There were two influencer girls who documented them going to Miami Swim Week. And one of them, she doesn't do this anymore, but at the time she was a working, she was trying to be a working model and she had a supplements company. And one of her major things that she pushes still to this day, I'm sure, 
are these de-bloat pills. So this girl is wrapped up and riddled in diet culture. She is diet culture. She's benefiting from it. She is literally selling supplements that have no, you know, I would not trust those supplements. Um, so, and she was selling them. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Um, but she, in a video one time, said, you know, I worked out really hard and I wanted to look my best and I just still don't feel that great. And that's okay. And I'm going to work on it. And um, I'm learning to like love my, and like she, she went on to be like, you know, I'm learning to love myself. But it was this thing where I was like, oh, you've reached the pinnacle. You have the body. You literally are a model <laughs> working in Miami Swim Week in a bikini, walking down a runway. You are tall, thin, gorgeous, conventionally attractive at the time. Plus, surgery was big. She, you know, had the big lips. She had the Instagram face. Like, these two girls really were leaning in and had reached this kind of like, this is what we do. And they weren't, you know, I'm just going to pass this judgment. They weren't eating healthy. Um, they would make, and I can say I that pretty confidently about one of them, because she would make what I eat in a week videos that basically were just ED um, instruction manuals. So she was clearly suffering. So I don't want to, I'm not trying to like make fun of her or anything like that. I hope that that isn't how any of this has come across. But it really did just break my brain of like, oh, like, you'll never be happy when you're trapped in this. Because even if you win, right, like, even if you get to this, like, body type that is unattainable by healthy means, you still are going to suffer from not feeling great. Because if you're obsessed with it, you're obsessed with it. And nothing you do is ever going to be enough. And with ED culture and like in particular, I think what's really horrifying is like to win is to die. You can starve yourself to death really easily. You can fuck your body up with EDs in like a week. Like it is so hard to recover from them. In Demi Lovato's um, YouTube documentaries, which I don't really recommend. One of the things that really stuck out to me though, was like she was talking about how, she was recovering publicly from an ED, but then the drawings that they had of her in these stage costumes were very, were like really exaggerated fashion models in a way that was like so extreme. And she didn't feel like she looked good in any of the clothes, but her team was very like, no, but it's like good for people to see that you're healthy now. And like, that is such a complicated relate. Like, I think the less you can focus on it the best. And I just don't know how celebrities do it. And so I get that Taylor Swift has suffered from an ED. She's talked about it um, in ways that were alarming in her documentary. And I think that, like, it's very clear that she's never gone to ED recovery because they would have flagged that fuck, you know, like that would have, she would have had her own red flag, perhaps. And I think it's very hard for celebrities. How does anybody tell them, like, you don't have to worry about what people, you know, when their job is to worry about what people think about them. And to look a certain way and perform a certain way, and Taylor especially. Um, but with with the fat on a scale, I think it's important that she gets to speak about how she feels. I think it's important that fat people get to say, hey, this is fat phobic. I think actually it's important that everybody says, hey, Taylor, this is kind of weird. Um, maybe don't. Maybe, you know, because here's the thing. If she stepped on the scale and it said wrong or bad or failure or ugly um, that's still not great. Still not great imagery about stepping on a scale, but I get what she was trying to do. 
Um, I think like trying on clothes maybe would have been a better way to go because I think like your body's not the problem. The clothes are is something that really helped me understand my relationship to my body. And like I have worked really hard on having like a more positive association to my own body because like this is the body I have to live in. I have to spend all of my time with myself in myself. So let's get used to it. Let's find some things we like. I do think that Bob the Drag Queen's advice was very helpful, Um, which was just like, find something you like and learn to really like that thing and then start to, the way that you appreciate that part of you, you can appreciate other parts. The thing is, I think that fixating on beauty and all of that is just a trap. It's (laughs) the amount of time I have wasted, the amount of energy that I have wasted worrying about like how fat I look is immeasurable, exhausting, and a tragedy. And I want to stop because it doesn't benefit anybody except like five dudes in a boardroom who are trying to sell me stuff so that I can be obsessed with it and not think about how to overthrow the patriarchy. And I truly believe that. I truly believe that if women did not have all of these horrific standards that we did not ask for, but that we are demanded, it's demanded we uphold, um, we could rule the world. (laughs) But we can't because so many of us are tired and hungry and cold all the time. Um, so anyway, I hope none of that was like triggering for anybody. I do just think that Taylor Swift should have had somebody on her team that was willing to say like, Hey, that's, um, that's going to get us in trouble. Even if it's what she wanted to do. I think that's okay. I think actually with problematic stuff like that, I don't care what the fuck the reason is. You pull it, you pull it. I I don't care if the reason they were like, that might get us in trouble on Twitter. Yeah, I might. I don't think she wanted to go viral for that. I don't think she's going to have a response to it. And I don't think it's going to, you know really affect her album sales. Clearly her climate criminality did not. I bought it on vinyl. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, I think celebrity culture, celebrities have a big responsibility. I mean, like Marina from Marina and the Diamonds um, tweeted this week about like wanting small boobs and uh, Meryl just had a great point, which I think um, I just want to pass on everybody. I think we should start being smug about our bodies and smug about our boobs. And like, I understand some people don't like their boobs, but do you not like your boobs? Because for, for just as a general question, is that because we have such weird standards that all boobs must meet? Or is it because they give you like back pain or like you just don't like how they look? You know, like I have big boobs and yes, I do wish that I could like not have to put on a bra in order to like leave the house or get a package. Um, but um, I don't, I like my body as it is and it's fine. And if I had small boobs, I'd probably want big boobs. You know what I mean? Like we always want what we can't have. I always feel like curly haired people when I was growing up, especially when it was like hard to get like good blow dryers and stuff that people with curly hair could blow out their hair at home. There was a lot of like, I wish I had straight hair. And then people with pin straight hair that cannot hold a curl are like, I really wish I had volume and curl in my hair. So we always want what we can't have. We always want the opposite. I do think it's that thing of like, oh, if I had small boobs for a day and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it would be fucking fun and novel for a day. Anything would be, but be smug about our bodies. Um, <laughs> I think that's one way to, um, I think it's okay to be a little bit full of yourself and take yourself seriously. I'm so tired of reading on dating profiles. Um, I want somebody who doesn't take themselves seriously. I, I do take myself seriously. I take my time seriously. And that's not like, a like, I'm still funny. Like, I'm still like lighthearted and like easygoing. But like, yeah, I do want somebody who takes themselves ser- seriously. Um, what else did I write down here? I wrote down, uh, being the bigger person isn't easy, but it's important and leaves you satisfied in your soul. I've just seen a lot of stuff online that's like, it's hard to be the bigger person. And it's like, yeah, it's not called being the bigger person because it's easy. Like, 
I think it's right there in the name. It implies that it's bigger. Um, it means you have to do more. But I do think that it just has been such a thing for me in the last year to like really practice being kind as much as possible and all the time and with everyone, especially things that, um, and with people that I want to write off, I think that's like when it's really the most important to like reach down and, and kind of try to see where people are coming from or understand. I think especially I'm not trying to be like in this deeply political time, but, um, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but but my job before um, COVID happened, my bosses were two dudes that I actually really like liked and respected, but they were brainwashed by Fox News. And I mean, like they would say verbatim jargon report stuff straight to me. And this was during the trial of the the whistleblower. Oh, my God. There were so many things during the Trump years. Can you remember what he was impeached for both times? It's a fun little quiz to have with yourself. Um, it was during the the Ukrainian general who had come over and then become a whistleblower. And my boss, who was an immigrant, like a first-generation immigrant, said a bunch of bullshit about how immigrants can't be loyal to America. And I was just looking at him and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, are you saying something about yourself here? Like, what's going on? But it was just, he he didn't have a lot of critical thought around it. And it was just truly like, he had listened to it. It sounded smart. He said the thing. Like, I used to criticize, okay, this is, we're deep enough into the podcast that I can say this without worrying that anybody's going to tattle on me. But one of the people that I just found so frustrating as an Instagram influencer who used to, you know, um, I think hate scrolling is is the word for it, um, is this zero waste influencer. She's very famous. Her handle is Trashes for Tossers. Her warehouse and store front was like right down the street from the pet store I worked at. And so she came in one time and was like rude to them. And like, I don't mean to like be like, so she's a bad person who deserves bad things to happen. But they were talking about her once because, like, she gave them, you know, hell about having plastic poop bags in the store. And it's like, they really haven't made, they've made, most dog poop bags do break down in some way. But, like, really, there isn't a great solution that's zero waste. Um, the idea of, like, a lot of the stuff that people suggest is just, like, not realistic for a lot of pet parents. So, anyway, I do think that there are... Ways that you can lower your waist, absolutely. But to yell at a pet store for carrying poop bags is just, like, a little ridiculous. Anyway, her whole shtick is this store called Zero Waste. But they ship, like, a like two pallets worth of shit every single day. And it's like, that's not, that's not zero waste. That's not low impact. And also, like, if you're selling a zero waste lifestyle, that's encouraging consumerism. All of the stuff's really expensive. They even came out with, like, stuff that had plastic and stuff at certain points. So it's it's a, it's a sham scam, and she lied about what she fed her dog. Um, but I used to <laughs> – um, I used to – one time in the warehouse, they were talking about something. Because the UPS driver had said – had mentioned something about, like, how much he picked up from her store every day. And I said, like – I just kind of scoffed after he left and said, like, yeah, zero waste, you know, whatever. Um, And I critiqued it. And they were really, you know, into the critique. Like, they had – I was having fun with it, whatever. But the whole time I was like, no, see, you don't like this thing for very different reasons. And, like, I kept being like, but I don't like it for the right reasons. And I was like, this is what what it is to be a leftist. (laughs) 
Like, this woman has kept her trash in a mason jar for five years. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there like, it's bad to do that because it encourages all these um, unrealistic standards. And then people don't practice, like, reducing their plastic. They think they have to go all in and they have to get these fancy things. And they have to spend $600 on stainless steel tins instead of just using, like, deli things that they've had forever. And, like, it is important to get rid of styrofoam. But it are, like... Should it be up to consumers or should we be passing things that says, like, Frito-Lays can no longer use plastic chip bags? Like, it would make a bigger difference if the corporations stop using them. Um, so anyway, those were all the things that I would say to my bosses. And then I'd be like, no, you don't like her for different reasons. And I don't want to say, I don't want to give you better reasons not to like this because it's important what she's doing. You're writing it off as a concept and I'm writing it off in how she practices a very good and noble concept. So... I was always like, we're different. And then I was like, ooh, we're not. It's the same. It's the same result. Um, so that was a tough pill to swallow. But being the bigger person isn't easy. I fucking love snarking on zero waste shit. I love doing that. But it wasn't good. It made me feel worse after I did it. And um, I do think that when people are like, I deserve recognition for being the bigger person, it's a little bit oxymoronic. But also, I understand the urge. And I just want to say... If you're somebody who has been the bigger person and has gone unrecognized, just want to recognize that right now. That's fucking rad. Go you. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it there. Love yourself. It's okay to love yourself. Write yourself a love letter. Challenge yourself to fill up a whole page. I think it's really, it's a good way to do it. I can understand why it's like uncomfortable and not everybody's like favorite thing or instinct to do, but I think it's really important to practice. Um, the other things that have really helped me in this year are journaling, doing breath work, yoga, um, and like results focused care for myself. So, like I don't like doing the laundry, but I'm always like, but you like having all of your clothes. So just changing the mindset, um, realizing that everything didn't have to mean something was another one, just being, being more chill in general. So, um, I'll leave it there. Hopefully, hopefully this was a coherent podcast I feel a little bit loopy um but uh thanks so much for listening if you want to follow me on twitter my twitter handle is at hi claire hi with two eyes and uh, my tumblr is little corner in brooklyn.tumblr.com because i still use tumblr even though i think it caused the downfall of society um okay have a great rest of your week y'all bye